welcome to another episode of Streaming Science, a creative, student-run podcast series from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. We bring the science directly to you. The goal of Streaming Science is to increase science literacy through interactive discussion with scientists about topics that affect your everyday life. I'm your host, Lauren Stolman, a senior agricultural and environmental sciences communication major from Louisville, Nebraska. This episode of Streaming Science is focused on agricultural economics. As a UNL student, I am interested in this topic because ag economics is not something that I'm very familiar with, and I really wanted to meet with someone in this area so I could learn more about it from them. Joining me today is Dr. Christopher Gustafson, an assistant professor in the Agricultural Economics Department who is interested in behavioral economics in relation to decision-making and health. Hello, Dr. Gustafson. Thank you for joining me today. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure, thank you. Um, so, uh, my name is Dr. Christopher Gustafson. I am an assistant professor in the Department of Agricultural Economics. Um, I work on, do research on um, health and a, a focus within the field of economics called behavioral economics. I'm originally from Nebraska. I grew up on a farm few miles north of Meade, Nebraska. I did my undergrad at UNL, um, and then I left Nebraska for about 10 years and then came back. Mm -hmm. um, so I went to graduate school in California, and then I lived in East Africa for a while. And then I very luckily got this job here and got to come home. Very unique background you have. <laughs> um, so what exactly led you to this job? UNL was creating some, some positions that are really unique um, within agricultural uh, economics departments and, and related departments. Um, other universities have slightly different names, agricultural and resource economics, applied economics, so on and so forth. Behavioral economics integrates other social, social science fields into economic decision making. So insights from psychology, sociology, anthropology, and brings those into um, combines those with the, the more standard model of economic decision-making to try to make that model of decision-making more realistic. There really hadn't been many opportunities to get a job that was sort of as ideally uh, positioned as this one for, from my perspective. So I was really excited about that component of this job and the, the focus on health was also very attractive. When I was living in East Africa, the project that I was working on there had to do um, with both livestock health and, and human health. The human health um, included a significant nutrition focus, and um, we're all affected by health. You know, if, if our health isn't so great, that has a really important impact on our lives. So um, I was excited to get to work in an area that I'm really excited about, or using the tools that I'm really excited about in terms of behavioral economics and on an area that I think is that is uh, very important to everybody. Yeah, so you and I'll just kind of fit what you were looking for. It did. And That's it, awesome. it just happened to also mean that I got to come and live near where I grew up yes. with my family. So. Very cool. That's good. Yeah. We are happy to have you here. Well, thank you. <laughs> so do you have a favorite part of your job? Mm-hmm. I like, I like all of the parts, I would say. It's nice to have a balance. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know that I would 
I mean, I, I think it's nice because you can switch between tasks. And so if you aren't, if I'm not feeling um, like I'm making good progress or being very effective at trying to write my own papers, I can switch to reading a student's paper and making comments on that or grading assignments from class or something. So it's nice to have, have a mix of things to, to switch between, I would say. Oh yeah, definitely good to be flexible with what you're working on. Yeah. That's awesome. Very good. So can you explain what your research is like in layman's terms to someone like me who really doesn't quite comprehend the research that you might do? So I mentioned that the position is focused on behavioral economics and health. The sort of health domain that I've primarily been looking at in my own research has been food choice and health. Um, in behavioral economics, you have the possibility that people make decisions at one time period that they come to regret later. So if you're hungry, I, we've, all, we've all had the experience of being hungry and wanting to eat the more... Um, you know, indulgent or appealing food items. So instead of getting a salad, a hamburger sounds really good. So in the moment when you're making that decision, if you choose the hamburger, you, you clearly at that point have decided that a hamburger is going to be more enjoyable for you um, than the alternative, the salad or whatever. In the long run, after you've eaten the hamburger, you know, 12 hours later or two weeks later, you might have a different opinion about the decision that you had made previously. Within the behavioral economics model, there's a possibility that people have different preferences for the choices they make depending on a, at what point in time they're at. And so there's also the possibility that by bringing, their, bringing an individual's attention to, to potential consequences or to information about the decision that they're making, you might influence their um, choice in a way that makes them choose the healthier option. Quite a bit of what I've been doing has been looking at ways to encourage people to make healthier choices um, by drawing their attention to healthier choices or trying to motivate them to make healthier choices. So you talked about how you went to Africa. So how did that experience affect the work that you do today? An effect that it has had is to, you know, have exposed me to um, experiences that people in, that that people living in Tanzania uh, have that that I wouldn't have been able to imagine or wouldn't have been able to understand just from say reading newspaper reports about Tanzania or even reading books about Tanzania. So I think it's I think it's affected the assumptions I make about. Um, other people's lives, hopefully in a way that makes me a better researcher and, and more understanding. I would definitely say so. That's quite unfortunate that they, I mean, we definitely take advantage, take for granted, I should say, of everything that we really have here that some are not as fortunate to have. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really cool experience that you had, though. I'm it was. glad that it has affected yeah. you and helped you in what you're doing right now. <laughs> Um, so for some people, they are not quite interested in economics, and it kind of turns them away because they just think of numbers and tables and graphs. So how exactly would you explain it to someone who isn't quite interested how passionate you are about it and what it really means to you? Um, well, I mean, so economics is important to all of us. Um, 
whether or not you think about yourself as being an economic decision maker, anytime you make a choice about what to essentially do, um, you're, you're engaging in economics. Um, we all are faced with these decisions on a very regu regular basis, and um, an example that a lot of people face these days, now that we <laughs> social media <laughs> rules our lives, is um, whether, it's whether to spend time um, on Facebook or texting friends or whatever versus using that time in a different way. The time, if you are on Facebook, the time that you spend um, looking at what friends are up to is time that you could be spending on something else. And to bring this back to behavioral economics, um, there's this notion and, and a lot of evidence behind this. People tend to be um, biased towards immediate satisfaction. So if we can do something fun now or eat something tasty now or buy something we want now, that is much more influential than saving that money for something that we might want in the future but don't necessarily know we'll want. Um, or studying <laughs> so that we can get better grades in the future uh, than being on Facebook now and seeing what our friends are doing. From an economic standpoint, we should be thinking about what we're giving up. And as long as we are consciously making a decision about um, trading off time that we could be studying or practicing a musical instrument or playing a sport or spending time with our family uh, to get more time on Facebook, then you are abiding by the economic principles that, um, that we assume everybody um, uses when they're making those sorts of decisions. So, um, you know, that, and if you do consider those trade-offs when you're making decisions, you are much less likely to regret the decisions you made previously when you get, you know, to the future, however, however far in the future that is. Yeah. I've never thought of Facebook as a trade-off. Now I feel really guilty that I've spent so much time looking at it. But that's a really good example. I like that. Um, so you do a lot of complex thinking, clearly, thinking outside of the box a lot and doing a lot of research and analyzation. So how do you wind down from that? I have a two-year-old son, so you know, non-work time is largely spent playing with him uh, and, and my wife doing, doing things as a family. Oh. Um, so yeah, that's what, that's what I spend most of my free time doing. Yeah, being a dad and a husband. Yeah. Very good. Being a dad, going on a run when I can find the time to do that. Yeah, very good. That sounds like a good way to unwind yeah, from your busy nice. day. Um, so. What exactly were you like as a middle school student? <laughs> That's a painful question. <laughs> um, I probably a nerd is a safe <laughs> a safe way to describe what I was. Yeah. Um, but but a nerd who also liked playing sports. So yeah. you enjoyed sports and learning. Yeah. It's a very exactly. good combo. <laughs> Um, why do you think it is important for youth to learn about um, economics and other science literacy topics? I think that they're both personal reasons why, that, why that's important, but also for our society as a whole and, and the world as a whole. Um, 
having informed decision makers is likely to lead the best, to the best outcome for everybody. Um, from a science literacy, literacy standpoint, I think for um, an individual, it's, science literacy is important to, un, to be able to understand the topics that you are making decisions about. So combining the economic decision making with science literacy. Um, science literacy will help with critical thinking and understanding the, you know, the potential implications of the decisions you make. People who think about where the information is coming from and whether that not be from an objective source, so that whether the information might be coming from a source that has a particular point of view, how to think about those different points of view and, and use um, you know, an accumulation of different pieces of information to make your own decision from an informed standpoint is, is good for society as a whole. Yes, we should all care about economics and science and it. We should all just know it all. That would be well, nice. That would be ideal. <laughs> that would be ideal. Um, so lastly, if you could tell the middle school listeners, high school listeners, etc., who are listening one thing, what would it be? Try hard and not be afraid to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. That seems like good advice. Yes. <laughs> Very good advice. So they should just go out, not be afraid, and it'll all be good. Yeah. Yes. Very good. Thanks to our guest, Christopher Gustafson, for joining us, and to all of you for tuning in. To listen to more Streaming Science podcasts, go to soundcloud.com slash streaming hyphen science. I'm your host, Lauren Stolman.